0: I'm Heath Kinnaman, and after seeing my kids get involved with youth ministry, I made the choice to go ahead and jump in uh, feet first to volunteer. And this is why I love student ministry. To watch true seekers become kingdom workers when the Holy Spirit becomes involved and to watch their hearts change when they make the choice to serve the king of the universe. We're going to be hearing uh, from a different volunteer every week as we get into this new series that we're starting today called Say Yes. So if you're here this morning, you're on the ground floor opportunity and I already see some Say Yes t-shirts out there, which is awesome. Uh, And and we'll we'll explain as we uh, go through the message today uh, a little more about what that's about. You know, we seem to be in this world though that has gotten a lot better about saying no. You know, we're all about boundaries and you know, it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to say no to this and no to that. And, um, and, and sometimes, you know, that, that's kind of a fun thing, and sometimes it's not. Now, if you're a parent this morning, you probably hated it when your one- or two-year-old learned the word no, right? Because it's always their first word. We wanted it to be dada or mama, but it's not. It's no. You know, and, and, and they're pretty sassy about it. It's like, you know, do you want to eat today? No. Do you, do you want to, something to drink? No. Do you want your diaper changed? No. And, you know, they're very demonstrative about it, and, and we've had some fun with this in, in our culture and stuff. In fact, uh, uh, Alan Seibel bought me this a few, um, a, a few years ago, and it, it's a no button, okay? And so it says no for you, and it says it in some pretty, pretty funny and wacky ways. And so sometimes this is how it goes in the church office uh, when uh, one of my uh, staff comes in and they're, they're wanting to ask a question or something like that, you know, um, Eric, can we paint the steeple uh, purple this week? Okay, uh, do you mind in the youth room if we uh, begin, oh, what if we, Uh, and sometimes that's what happens when Crystal walks into my office, I just, (laughs) so you can kind of have some fun with that, you can even... uh you know, kind of, kind of, I guess you could say, say that with some authority and we have some fun with that. And that's, that's kind of how the culture has gone. But my concern is that's kind of worked its way into the church. When somebody asks you about your involvement in the church or serving the Lord in the church, that sometimes we kind of get a little bit hefty on our nose. Do you know what I mean? Because we're all about protecting our time, we're all about protecting, you know, uh, our, our off time and our downtime, time, or, or we're just not comfortable with something, you know, or that would take training, and I'm going to have to go to a meeting, or, you know, if I'm in this ministry, I'm going to have to have a background check, and, you know, it's, we can make all these excuses for why we don't get involved in the Lord's work, and yet today, God's going to teach us through his word that this is actually something that we're called to do. Not only that, but when we say yes, we're saying yes to God and his mission. We're saying yes to spiritual growth in our lives. We're saying yes ultimately to the salvation of others, to having them hear the gospel and respond to it when we say yes to serving in ministry. That's what we'll be focusing on this morning. Now, as, as, as in every week, we invite you to get out your phone, get on your tablet, um, get, get on the Oakwood app. You can follow all the sermon notes are on there, as well as the scriptures. If you're old school like me and you brought a Bible, we we'll want to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to begin with verse 1 of that chapter. And if you didn't bring a Bible and you don't want to get on your phone, that's fine. Grab that Bible in front of you, turn it to page 977. Nine hundred and seventy-seven. That's where you need to be this morning to follow along. Ephesians chapter 4. The book of Ephesians was written at a time when the Apostle Paul, who's the writer of the book, uh, was in prison, which, which really begins um, of w- what it is uh, today. And, and what we're going to read through this and understand from the Apostle Paul, who's in jail because he said yes to some things that God asked him to do, to, to Jesus as the Son of God, who, who oftentimes said yes. It reminded me of a story this week when uh, Jesus said yes one time when he wasn't really ready. And it seems like if you follow Jesus in his life and all the stories and, and all the scripture that we read about Jesus, he had a bias for yes. The, one of the very first stories that's recorded in scripture uh, about Jesus in his adult life is uh, when he was at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And at this wedding, they had this feast, and they had actually run out of wine. Now, the wine was different back then than it is today. It wasn't as strong, and they weren't drinking to get inebriated. It was just part of their culture. And so um, they ran out of wine. Now, that was a big no-no, because these wedding feasts and wedding celebrations would go on for days. You know, we here, we, you know, what, have 45-minute, you know, 30 to 45-minute ceremony. We'd go over and have a reception, and we're done. Not in those days. In those days, it was a three- to seven-day Event and every day you kept coming back after work. You'd go plant your crops and, and water your, your oxen and then you'd come back for the rest of the celebration. And so to, to run out of wine early in the week was not, you know, it was kind of frowned upon, you know. And Mary, Jesus' mom, came to him and said, Hey, is there any way you can help them out? Because I know you're powerful and I know you can do miracles. Can you can you can you make some wine for these people? And Jesus was really hesitant, reluctant, because it's like my time isn't come. To be showing people who I am fully yet. And so, but yet, Jesus has a bias for yes. He turns, his first miracle turns water into wine. And as you go throughout the life of Jesus Christ, you find he says yes to people, he says yes to inconveniences, he even says yes to serving to the point that he washes feet at one point. Jesus had a bias for saying yes to serving others. And so did the Apostle Paul and many more that we're going to be studying over the, next, over the next several weeks in this series. But let's begin this morning with Ephesians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul, uh, or Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. The Apostle Paul says this to us this morning He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, I want to point out a couple of action words there. Uh, the first one is that he urges you to walk. That I means you'd actually go places and do things, right? And he says to do it in a manner worthy of your calling, that there's actually a calling on your life when you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, he says to do this and to walk out this calling in your life, and he tells us how to do that in verse two. He says, you're gonna do that with all humility. You're gonna be a humble person. You're gonna be uh, do that with gentleness with patience. You're going to bear with one another in love. You know, some people are going to annoy you. That's okay. We're going to forgive them and love them anyway, just where they're at. Maybe it's immaturity. We're going to love them and in, in just where they're at in their walk with the Lord. Verse three, it says eager to maintain the what? The unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And this is the foundation. And then he begins to go even deeper here. He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And he's saying here that, that we are part of one body, that we're not multiple bodies, that we're not supposed to be segmented, that the church, which is also referred to in Scripture as the bride of Christ, is called to be a body of believers. And that 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 what brings us together as a body is is this one spirit. And it's the hope that we have for salvation and eternal life. And it's one Lord. It's one faith. It's one baptism. And it's one God, the Father in heaven, who's over all of these things. Now, you go down uh, now to verse 11. Now, before we read this next part, I just want to explain something. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Um, when we were in Bible college and we got to our senior year, one of the things we were asked to do, and I can't remember if it was in biblical theology, um, well, one of those senior level classes that's just like, wow, that just rattles your brains and um, just, it's gut-wrenching when you're a senior in Bible college, and, and I just remember one of those classes, we had to write a philosophy of ministry. And that sounds like really daunting, right? I mean, a philosophy of ministry. Philosophy of ministry being how or how is God going to accomplish his mission through the church? You guys are called to ministry. You're going to go out and be uh, ministers in churches. Some of you are going to be youth ministers, which was the track I was on at the time. Uh, children's ministers, worship ministers. Some of you are going to go out and preach the word in churches. It's like, of all of those, those things that God is calling you to do, what is the philosophy of ministry? How are you going to accomplish the mission? And so... The deal was, and I think we all woke up to this fact, I think there was like like 30 in my class, and about 27 of us came up with the same section of Scripture. It's actually what we're about to read here in Ephesians 4 in in verse 11. Because what I realized, and I think most of my peers realized, it didn't really matter what our philosophy of ministry was, like what Eric's opinion on how God was going to accomplish his mission was. It was really like, what is God's philosophy of ministry? How does he want to see seek and save the lost? How does he want to grow people to be disciples? How, how does he want to see people mature? And how is this all going to work together? And so the beauty of it is he gives us this in Ephesians chapter 4. So this is the philosophy of ministry, uh, not, not just of Eric, but I feel like it's God's philosophy of ministry. I feel like it's the philosophy of ministry of any bride of Christ, which would be any church. And so Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 Says this, and he's talking about Jesus when he says he there. He's talking about the Son of God. He's just talked about Christ and his gift of coming into the world. And in verse 11, he says this, and it is he who gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And what he's talking about there in that verse is he's given us the church leaders. Okay, he's given us the uh, apostles. Those were the ones that actually had been with Jesus. I mean, they had laid eyes on him. They'd had conversations with him, the apostles. And then he also gave some of the prophets. The prophets were the, were the ones that had foreknowledge of the future, and they were called to ask people to repent, or this is going to happen in your life. And so he says... Those those prophets. He says the evangelists, the ones that are always sharing the gospel, the gospel is always on the tip of their tongue to share that good news with people. To the shepherds, that would be like the elders of the church. It's to those that are going to shepherd and they're going to watch the doctrine and they're going to pray for people and, and minister to those in need, Those 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 elders and those deacons in the church. And then it says also to the teachers. And be like your Sunday school teachers and your, your small group leaders. And, and so all this, it says that he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, these church leaders, to do what? Look at verse 12. It says to equip. It doesn't say to do all the work of the church. It says to equip. Equip who? To equip the saints. Now, when I was a kid, I always thought saints um, wasn't a football team because they're not really a football team. Um, anyway. It just offended all my Louisiana friends. Sorry about that. Um, but no, I thought the saints were the ones that had uh, died and gone to heaven. They had died in Christ Jesus, had made that decision, and gone to heaven. Because we're saying the song when the saints go marching in, you remember the song, and when they go, you know, I'd love to be in that number, and I always thought they're marching into heaven, you know? And so the saints were, were those who had died in Christ earlier, but it actually means saved ones. That's what that word means. It's not, it's, it's, not, it's not the saints that have gone before us and, and died and gone to be with Jesus Christ in heaven. No, it's actually us. It's the saved ones that are still alive and active today. And so it says here that these church leaders, what they would do is that they would equip the saints, the saved ones, for what? For the work of ministry. Why? For the building up of the body of Christ. And then he goes on and he's going to share several ways the body of Christ is going to be built up here. In verse 13 it says, Until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. What he's saying there is that we're all going to be mature believers in Jesus Christ. We're going to know our doctrine. We're going to know what we believe. Why we believe what we believe. We're we're going to be able to, to share scriptures with one another. To edify the body. We're going to be able to share our faith with other people. And so he says... It says that um, that we would grow in this knowledge into mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14 now. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes. In other words, we're not going to be led astray by false doctrine or false teaching. We're going to be able to recognize that. As soon as you hear something like, that's not biblical, you're going to go... Oh, yeah, that's not biblical, and so I'm not going to listen to that person anymore. That, that is an extra-biblical idea. That's not something that's coming from the Word of God. And so, again, it's part of our maturing process that we're going to get smart uh, about it. We're not going to be like children in our doctrine anymore. We're going to know the Word of God. Then it says in verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, and I love that phrase because in the Greek it says, truthing in love. Literally, that's what it says, truthing. So it says, rather, truthing in love, we are to do what? To grow up. In what way? It says, in every way. Into who? Into him who is the head. Who's the head of the body? And it says, into Christ. Now look at verse 16. The head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are called the bride of Christ. We are also called the body of Jesus Christ. And it says that Jesus is the head of us, and that what we're to do is we're to be building up the kingdom of God. We're going to build up salvation, because there's going to be many that come to the Lord Jesus Christ through this body and bride of Jesus Christ that our acts of service are going to be renowned through through Enid and through Garfield County and even northern Oklahoma because of the works and the deeds and the service of this place. And it's not only going to grow us spiritually and mature us, it's going to have an effect on every area of our life that no matter where we go, whether we're at our business or, or whether we're at work or whether we're on the soccer field or, or at the grocery store, wherever we go, wherever we run into people, we are going to have influence in our life because we are going to be made mature. And how that happens is that everybody does their part because we need each other. Just like your body right now, hands and feet and everything, you're like, oh, Yeah, I like to have all of my limbs. Because if my left arm got caught off, guess what? Does that just affect this? No, it affects everything in my life. It affects how I tie my shoes. It affects my feet. It affects how how I put on clothes. It it, it affects how I would make a recipe. You know, if you don't have a a hand or an arm or some some limb or extremity is damaged or is missing, it, it affects everything in the body. It's the same way. That's what the Apostle Paul's talking about here is that everybody does their part in the, in the kingdom of God. And this is God's philosophy. How am I going to save more people? The church leaders are going to equip the saints for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And so that's why this series is called Zayas. Yes. Because we want you to say yes to ministry. And some of you there in the t-shirts, uh, that's because they're already saying yes. They're, they're already serving on a ministry team. Uh, they're, they're scheduled on a ministry team. Um, and, and you may have walked in and saw all these cards on the wall out there. Those are open ministry positions in God's church. And I mean, it's, and it's everywhere. I mean, we have so many open positions. It's every ministry team has an opening. And what we've done is we've put a little description out there on the wall. And this is what we want you to do. today because it was awesome after first service i mean i counted there was like 10 people out there checking out different ministry cards okay we want you to go out there and if you're if you're saying hey you know i'm a member of this body of believers you know i'm a part this is my family even if i haven't joined yet part of this family then go and become active and serve and say yes to god say next say yes to your next step to following jesus because what you're you grab one of those cards, there's going to be people out there to help you and answer questions that you have. And we're hoping that those cards will turn over to uh, these Polaroid pictures over the course of the month of people that have said yes to ministry. And when you do that, you're going to get one of those t-shirts like the band had on, like you see here amongst your friends in the audience that says, say yes. And on the back it says, I said yes to serving in ministry. And I hope these, these T-shirts, I hope there's like 700 of us that have these on by the end of August because we are the body of Christ. We're all called to do our part. Now, let me explain to you how this all fits together this morning, okay? Because we know our marching orders as Christians, right? Great commission, okay? Again, I'll say, I said this several weeks ago. I really mean it from the heart. I really want you to memorize Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Because it is some of the final words that Jesus speaks before leaving this world as the Son of God. And it is our mission. If you say, well, what's, what's, the, what's the point? You know, why, why do I exist? What am, what am I supposed to be doing? I, okay, I love Jesus and I accept Christ. But now what? This is it. He says, he starts out by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given unto me as the Son of God. When I'm speaking, I'm speaking for the Heavenly Father. That's why he said that. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given unto me. And he said, therefore, because of that fact, Go into all the world and make disciples. That's the mission, make disciples. A disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus, lifelong follower of Jesus. He says, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We experienced that three times at the beginning of the service. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. Because a disciple follows Jesus, and they obey Jesus. They surrender their life and their heart and their lordship to Jesus Christ. And so they need to be taught to obey everything that God's commanded through the Scriptures. And then Jesus ends it by saying, while you're on this mission, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Even if you end up in a prison like the Apostle Paul, writing letters to people in the book of Ephesians, I'm going to be with you. Even in those circumstances, I'm going to be with you always. I'm going to be with you when you're nervous when you're sharing your faith for the first time. I'm going to be with you. And so we're called to make disciples. Then we get into the how. And in Acts 1.8, and we had a whole series on this at the beginning of the year called Witness. Is it, in Acts 1.8, it says how we're going to do this is Jesus says to the church and to the saints, he says, and you will be my witnesses. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the world. And what he was saying is, you're going to be my witnesses in Enid right here in your hometown. You're going to be witnesses at work and at school and everything. You're, you're, beyond that, you're going to be witnesses to your extended family, to your extended friends that don't live here. You're going to be witnesses to the state of Oklahoma and even to the United States of America, maybe even to the whole world. Maybe someday you're going to minister in Mexico or Haiti or you're going to go to Russia or China. And it says that how, how is this going to be accomplished? We know we're supposed to make disciples. We're know, we know we're supposed to be witnesses. And then it says, hey, your connection to the church is important. Because the church leaders, the apostles and the evangelists and the teachers and the pastors and the preachers and all of them are going to equip you. They're going to train you. They're going to teach you what to say and, and, sh- and model for you how to pray. And they're going to teach you and they're going to encourage you to walk out the calling of God in your life. And then it's like, For what? so that the body of Christ may be built up. And I really believe that building up of the body of Christ is twofold. I believe there's the building up of the spiritual life of the body of Christ because he mentions in there all throughout this passage, maturity. You're not gonna be like children anymore. It's time to grow up. I mean, sometimes I think about the church, I think if God in heaven looks down, does he see a bunch of kids? You know, it's like I've been a Christian for 40 years, but I haven't done jack for the gospel. It's like, oh, you're like a two-year-old, okay? You're still a toddler, it's like, take the pacifier out of your mouth, start speaking the word to some people, and let's get going somewhere. Say yes to God and serve somewhere. Get involved in his mission, get involved in his body, and serve God's church. This morning and the remainder of our time, I just want to share some, some things that when we serve, when we actually call, make that call and we say yes to God and we say yes to service, what does it mean? And what does it do, and how does it affect lives? And the first one I want you to understand this morning is this. When you serve, you are saying yes to Jesus. When you serve, you are saying yes to Jesus. You say, well, how how am I saying yes to Jesus when I serve? Matthew 25. What did Jesus say there? Whatever you have done to the least of these, you have done it unto me. Whatever you have done to the least of these brothers of mine, you have done it unto me. And so when we serve one another and we become servants and we take that posture and we answer that call to minister through serving, we're actually doing it to Jesus. So when you say yes to serving, you are actually saying yes to Jesus. The second thing I want you to understand this morning is when you serve, you're saying yes to God's plan for his church. We've really already covered this, the body, and the, the body of, of Christ, the bride of Christ. It is God's plan to use this church and to use the saints that are a part of this church, the saved ones, to do the work of ministry so that this body would not only mature and grow spiritually, but so also this body would grow numerically, that there would be many more in the kingdom of heaven because of the work and the sharing of the gospel that goes out from this place. And so when we say yes to serving in ministry, we also say yes to God's plan for his church. A third thing this morning, when you serve, when you say yes and you serve, you're saying yes to the next generation. You're saying yes to the next generation. Now, I think a lot of times we have this mentality that if I want to say yes to the next generation, then I'm going to have to be in children's ministry. I'm going to have to be in youth ministry. And and trust me, those are awesome places to serve. Many of you were involved in in something we call VBS, Vacation Bible School, this week. We had about 300 kids a night come in, in here and worship God and have Bible lessons and Bible stories, learn about God. They did cool crafts. And we just reinforced everything this week with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was awesome. It was very rewarding. And even about 9.30 or 10 o'clock on Thursday night, when there were still about 50 to 60 of our volunteers sitting, still here working and putting things away and cleaning up, it was awesome to hear the conversations as we were all passing each other. It was like, what a great week. What an awesome week. You know, we're tired. I mean, I mean and I'm telling you, some of our people were dog tired, okay? They were like in the zone Thursday night, okay? A lot of them probably wanted to say no to clean up, <laughs> But they didn't, they stuck around, and, and it was awesome to see the fellowship and the camaraderie that came from that. Because why, because they said yes. They said yes to serving some kids. You know, sometimes uh, we, we, we do some programming in the church, um, and, and I, think of, I think of the nursery, those that are in the nursery that say, you know, I, I try to keep kids clean, Try to keep them alive, you know. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, We do teach, um, you know, at the toddler age, we start introducing concepts like this is a Bible and it's God's holy word and God wrote this and God loves you. And we start teaching really at a pretty young age. But, you know, some of that, some, I know what it is like to, to serve in the nursery because I've done it before. Some of you, you know, you're like, well, how is that making a kingdom difference, you know? You don't understand But maybe one of those babies or those toddlers that are in the nursery, they're attached to a single mom. It was just at of wit's end to decide, you know what? Life is hard. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to church. I want to see if the Bible, I want to see if God really loves you. I want to see what the Bible says. And you may say, well, you know, I just feel like I'm just, just wiping noses the whole time and cleaning up crumbs. And it's like, you're providing a loving environment, a loving atmosphere that a child's going to love so that a parent can, can become theologically aware in here because they're environmentally comfortable, because they're not sitting here the whole time wondering if their little baby is crying or how their little baby's being treated. And when you do that, you're saying yes to the next generation. You have to acknowledge this morning, Christianity is always only one generation from extinction, one generation. And I don't care if you're a baby boomer or a baby buster or Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, millennial, it doesn't matter how you're qualified, how, how they would categorize you, The bottom line is, if we in our generation do not pass the faith onto the next one, we're always one generation from extinction as Christians. And so when you serve in all of these different ministries in the church, and why we put a big emphasis on the next generation ministries here at Oakwood with kids and and teens, when you serve, you're saying yes to the next generation. You're saying yes to the faith living on in a whole other generation. You're saying yes to salvation for someone which really leads us to the next one is when you serve, you're saying yes to people who aren't here yet. When you say yes, you're saying yes to people who aren't here yet. Because I can't tell you how many people aren't here that a year from now are going to be here and they're going to accept Christ and be baptized this year. And you don't even know it. And you say, well, I'm just being faithful. I'm staying in my small group lane. I just I host a connect group at my house. All I do is host it. You know, I don't really teach it. We've got a leader that, that's doing the leading and then I, you know, but... How they uh, came into the church and were invited by someone in your group to come into your home, and how that was a place they could be real, and that was a place that they could learn to be loved by other people, and a place that they could learn to love others, and they could experience God in a fresh and new way. And you said, All I was doing was doing my, my job, and I, I just, you know, I was just setting up chairs, and I was just making sure that my house was clean, and, and you made an eternal difference for someone that's not here. For some of you, you're going to be serving on ministry teams, you're going to be plugged into church work, and what you don't realize is people that aren't here right now are going to end up on your team, and you're going to actually have influence in their life because they're going to look up to you just because you've been a Christian longer, and it's going to happen in the next three to six months. You're going to find a person you don't even know their name, and you're going to meet them for the first time, and they're going to be making communion together, or, or you're going to be on the worship team together, or you're going to be, and, and, and this person's going to be really, really new to the faith, and they're going to learn from you, and God's going to put them in your life, and you're going to have that opportunity. You see, when you serve, you say yes to people who aren't here yet. You're saying yes to the gospel. You're saying yes to making disciples. The last thing I want to share with you this morning is when you serve, you're saying yes to God's plan for your life and spiritual growth. When you serve, you're saying yes to God's plan for your life and for spiritual growth. Now, you might be sitting here this morning and and saying, you know what, you know, I I, I hear that, and I do want to grow spiritually, but, you know, I really like what I'm doing right now because I learned something on Sunday mornings, and, and some of you are in a connect group, which is awesome. We're launching a whole bunch of those in about a month, so if you're not connected, you will be in a month. But some of you are like, hey, you know, we we talk about the three C's here at Oakwood. We say, hey, celebrate, connect, contribute. Celebrate, connect, contribute. Celebrate and worship together. Make worship services a priority of your time. We want you to connect with each other in small groups and classes and different things that we offer. And then we want you to contribute in ministry. We want you to say yes to serving." And what we found out, you talk about spiritual growth, because I asked first service, you know, we didn't even have to show hands. Everybody was just nodding. Who wants to grow closer to Jesus? Who wants to grow spiritually? Who wants to have, you know, assurance of your life and your future and have an awesome life here on earth because it's lived in Christ Jesus now? And everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I want that. And, you know, we look at people in the church, those people that were like, man, they're on fire right now. What are they doing? Celebrate, connect, contribute. They attend church regularly. They're in, a, they're in a Connect group, and they joined a ministry team. Something that we found in common. That's that's why we tell new people when they come to Discover Oakwood: celebrate, connect, contribute. You just boil it down to that. But a lot of people they like to celebrate. It's easy, attend church, right? They like to connect. Oh, I've got friends. We hang out. We learn the Bible together. It's awesome. But for some reason, that contribute is a stumbling block we say contribute, no, I don't want to give up my time. I don't want to sacrifice a whole week, vacation Bible school. I don't want to be on a schedule once a month for children. We kind of get selfish with our time. And God's saying, hey, but this is what's next. This is your next step to following Jesus. It's your next step to growth. It's your next step into God's church. And let's be honest, it could be the next step to bring in health and maturity to the church because of what we read today in the scripture. It says that he that is the head, Christ Jesus, is going to do what? It's going to build the body of Christ up. When what? When we get involved in serving. And God uses that to mature us. And if we're going to follow Jesus, we've got to be servants that say yes to ministry. And the cool thing is, everyone in here there's a part of this body belongs. And we need every part of you. And you may say, well, I've got a good list of excuses. I have health issues. Uh, I'm old. And when I get up, I grunt now. Some of you... Some of you like, I, I, I like to dress a certain way. Some of you like, I don't like to talk to people because I'm an introvert. Uh, I mean, we could come up with some excuse. I got 19 kids and counting, you know. It's like, we have so many excuses, you know. It, but God says, you know, there's no qualifications in here. Hey, you're called to be a part of the body of Christ and be an active part and serve and grow unless you have health issues or unless you're aged out of the system or unless you're, you see, there's a place for everybody. We're the body of Jesus Christ. We're a church. And God is calling us to say yes. I want you to hear this as we end this morning. If you're a believer, these things are said about you in the New Testament and about your service. If you're a believer, you are created to serve. You are saved to serve. You are called to serve. You are gifted to serve. And you are needed to serve. God give you enough reasons, just there. Created, saved, called, gifted, and needed to be in ministry service to the kingdom of God. And if you're not doing that right now, then you have just made Oakwood Christian Church incomplete, and you're like a dead arm. And you're hurting the gospel mission here at the church. Because we need you. And, and I, I'm telling you, our staff, we're ready. We've been praying about this series for like three months. We're ready to come alongside you and help you figure it out. What works for your schedule? What works, you know, what, what, what are your gifts? What, what, what's something, um, the, a ministry area of service that you might think is fun? You know, I, I shared this first service that, you know, like, let's say we have a guitar player. And by the way, we need guitar players. Shameless plug. Um, let's say we have a guitar player out there. And one of you is like, man, I rock guitar. Everybody here knows this guy can play guitar, man. He is awesome. And we go to you and we say, hey, would you play guitar? And you're like, oh, yeah, I love guitar. I'm good at guitar. Yeah, I can play guitar. Not a big deal. I'll play guitar. Come up, join the worship team, play guitar. That's awesome. God's equipped you that way. He's given you some giftedness there. We'll develop you even more um, in that that giftedness and maybe develop that heart that just wants to cry out to God and and serve him in a worship worship environment. But what if the best growth for Mr. Guitar Player was to actually work with teens? (laughs) Teenagers? What do you mean teens? They've got phones and boyfriends and girlfriends and issues it's like yeah and amen we all have issues thank you very much (laughs) it's not exempt from the adults that continue to mess up the teens lives but we won't go there this morning but here's the deal and the youth are laughing because they know it's true your parents are not perfect are they yeah here's the deal what if God could grow you more in an area where you're uncomfortable where you had to actually exercise your faith in him and go you know what? I can't do this without Jesus. <laughs> I'm praying more than I've ever prayed because I'm scared to death when I walk into the youth ministry every week, but God's gonna use you and he's gonna grow you and he's gonna mature you. And all you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is say yes. When the world says no, no. All you have to do is say yes. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this time where we can just uh, just truly be drawn into your presence through your word. God, I, I thank you um, that we have the opportunity to change. And Lord, there's some of us that were operating under a conviction right now. God, we, we're convicted because um, we have been, uh, some of those people that have said, said no We've been people that have made excuses. We've made all kinds of maybe even like Christian excuses like, oh, let me pray about that. Uh, um, uh, you know, uh, God's wanting me to have a season of margin right now. And, and we can just find so many creative ways to say no. And God, sometimes our best step toward you and our best step toward growth is just to say yes. And so God, this morning I, I pray if anybody needs to repent of apathy toward your mission or toward your church, if anyone here feels that, that um, conviction inside their hearts right now that, yeah, I've been like the dead arm in this church, it's time for me to step up, God, give them the courage to do that. Help them to walk out of the service and walk out to that wall and begin to search for their place in the body of Jesus Christ. But God, I believe there's some here this morning too, that they could even join our ministry now and they're still checking out the faith. We're not sure we buy into the whole Jesus thing, but we're learning. We're dedicated to coming here and learning more about it and hearing about it and being taught. And yeah, we can join a ministry team. I mean, there's many ministries we can be involved in that you don't have to be a member of this church to serve. But God, I pray you'd remind us that it's not through service that we're saved. That's through a relationship with you. And so some of us, Lord, before we say yes to a service, we need to say yes to Jesus. We need to say yes to your son, and we need to accept him as our Lord and Savior. So, God, this morning as we sing this song, as we have this opportunity to respond, Lord, I pray. God, lead us and and direct us in this moment in our hearts. that, that, That our tendency may be to always pull us toward no. God, break our hearts. And show us and teach us to say yes. And we pray in the strong and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.